So there was a period of time in her early 20s where, you know, she wanted to talk about what that was like for her. And I didn't handle it very well initially. I think like all, well, most most parents who are going through it, I responded very defensively and couldn't really hear her perspective. Um, so it wasn't really till I sort of learned how to just shut up and be empathic and take responsibility and find the kernel, if not the bushel of truth in her complaints, uh, that things began to turn around. Uh, and we eventually were able to reconcile, blessedly. Hi, my name is Lawrence Joss, and welcome to the Family Disappeared podcast. And today we have a fantastic guest that is Dr. Josh Coleman, who shares a, a lot about his experiences, all the different services that he offers, free webinars, newsletters, and a bunch of other incredible materials. He also has a brand new book that just came out. And today we're going to talk about writing an amends letter, how to write an amends letter, why to write an amends letter, what are some of the pitfalls in writing an amends letter, and what other resources are to help you through the process. Please subscribe, like, share our Facebook groups. We have one specifically for PAA. We have one for the Family Disappeared podcast, which is going to have some original content and that are going to have some great conversations on there that won't be anywhere else. And, and the Family Hope Project is visceral. It's real. It's powerful. Join the Facebook group to participate in that, share insights on there, maybe even share some of your, your art if you choose. And the website for the Family Hope Project will be out in the next couple of weeks. And by the time this podcast gets out, it might already be out there. So let's jump into the show. There was a time in my life when I was overwhelmed and underwater. Those days are the inspiration for this podcast. This is by far the ultimate healing journey for all of us. Healing ourselves emotionally, spiritually, and physically is paramount to this journey. From this place of grounding, we can all go out into the world and change all our interactions and relationships. We can engage people from an integrated and resourced place. This is a journey of coming home to ourselves. In today's episode, we'll start to explore some of these issues. Let's begin the healing journey today. Welcome to the Family Disappeared Podcast. So I wrote a really in-depth men's letter, most probably about three years ago. And uh, before I wrote the men's letter, I was reaching out. I was trying to apologize. I was doing all different kinds of things. And I, I, and I think I was creating a lot of um, fire in some places where fire didn't need to happen. And, I, and I'm presuming some parents, grandparents, other family members out there can relate to that because you're like really just dying to have connection, the longing, the pain, the, the the emotional turmoil that it's creating in our lives. And in my life, like I'm just trying to figure out how to turn that switch off. I just want to go back to some kind of place where, where life is manageable. So I reached out in a lot of different ways. And then I decided to write in a man's letter and, and got, got help, you know, followed a framework, not Dr. Josh Coleman's framework. I, 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 I did not know about it back then, but um, I followed this framework. I sent out this really detailed letter to my eldest daughter and I didn't get any kind of reply. I have no idea if she got it or didn't get it. And you might be thinking, well, that, that sucks and that's a loss. And I will tell you this, in writing the letter, it was one of the most cathartic experiences I've ever gone through. I really got to take myself out of my ego and my perspective and really try to understand what a, a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, 18-year-old, 20-year-old young woman, young young girl w was feeling and what she was seeing. Because my lived reality and my lenses are not necessarily the same lived reality and my kids' lenses. And a lot of the problems that I created is I wanted to erase their lived experience. And uh, I didn't realize, like, like they were living this experience. This was reality to them. I was trying to say, hey, that's not real. This is real. And in doing that caused a lot of pain. So I, I sent out this amends letter and it was a wonderful, cathartic, challenging adventure. And I'm really excited to hear about 
Dr. Coleman's strategy in sending out the letter because there's a lot of stuff in, in what we're going to jump into that I, that I wish I would have known going into conversations, going into texts, going into emails, and most importantly, going into this amends process. So let's get right into the conversation with Dr. Josh Coleman. So we have Dr. Josh Coleman here today. And uh, Josh, thank you so much for taking a moment to, to come out and say hello to the community and uh, share some of your expertise with us. Um, just to introduce folks in the community that might not be familiar with you. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be working in the estrangement, alienation, disconnection field in, in family systems? Sure. I'm a psychologist in the San Francisco Bay Area and a senior fellow with the Council on Contemporary Families. Um, my interest in this sprung out of my own personal experience. I was married and divorced in my 20s and have an adult daughter who's in her 40s, who I'm very close to at this point. But there was a period of time in her early 20s where she cut off contact with me for several years, uh, in part as a result of my divorce from her mother when she was younger, and then my remarriage and having children from my uh, second, which was also my current marriage, and her feeling in many ways displaced, disregarded, um, you know, some of the many ways that the fallout of divorce can hurt uh, parent-child relationships, particularly fathers and daughters. So there was a period of time in her early 20s where, you know, she wanted to talk about what that was like for her. And I didn't handle it very well initially. I think like all, well, most most parents who are going through it, I responded very defensively and, you know, and couldn't really hear her perspective. So it wasn't really till I sort of learned how to just shut up and be empathic and take responsibility and find the kernel, if not the bushel of truth in her complaints, uh, that things began to turn around. Uh, and we eventually were able to reconcile blessedly. But at the time, there was nothing written on the topic. And the advice that I got from friends, family, and you know, even well-regarded therapists was very wrong-headed, as it often is. It just made things worse. So I thought, well, there's really a need for people to get educated about this. So I wrote my first book on the topic in 2007, When Parents Hurt, Compassionate Strategies When You and Your Grown Child Don't Get Along. As a result of that, got a very wide following of of estranged parents here and in a few other countries. So started doing webinars and a free Q&A for parents and then ended up doing a study through the University of Wisconsin Survey Center of 1,600 estranged parents, which I published in several academic peer-reviewed articles. And then on the basis of that, wrote my more recent book, Rules of Estrangement, Why Adult Children Cut Ties and How to Heal the Conflict. So I've really been steeped in estranged parents really for the past 15, 16 years or so. It's really at this point in my practice, that's really almost all all that I see. So that's kind of personal and professional journey here. Wow. Wow. That, that, that's a lot of years and it, and it really humanizes the experience that you've been through this too, that you felt the pain and the confusion and also made a lot of mistakes because that's a huge yeah. part of this is really learning to resource ourselves and learning to listen and learning about empathetic communication. So yeah, I, I, I appreciate hearing your story. And we are going to focus today on more of your structure for writing an amends letter. But mm -hmm. before we do that, I just want to just ask a general question like, you use the word estrangement. Some folks use the word alienation and, and disconnection, erasure. There's a lot of different words. Can you give us just like a, a bird's eye view of what languaging you use and, and kind of like what it means to you and if there is a particular reason for that? Yeah, no, there's a particular reason. Um, um, alienation, I think, very specifically means, you know, means when one parent um, 
um, covertly, overtly poisons the relationship with the other parent. So that's parental alienation. Estrangement, I think of as more sort of the general category of which alienation is a subset of that. There's many pathways to estrangement. Alienation is one. I know a lot of people who research this topic say, you know, alienations, the poisoning of the child. Estrangement is, you know, when the child has you know, good reasons to not have contact with a parent. But I don't like that distinction. I don't think it's very precise because most people, most sociologists, most psychologists, the general public refers to estrangement as really a cutoff or an alien, an alienation, but not the kind of alienation that parental alienation, more a distancing or to use your term, an erasure of the relationship between the two. Um, so that's, that's the way that I think about estrangement versus alienation. You know, I, I appreciate you you breaking it down. And, you know, for me, I see like alienation just as a big tent and estrangement just as a big tent. And we're all in different places on the bell curve on that. And and we're all just trying to get help and, and get a relationship with my kids. So I, I really uh, appreciate that. So writing an amends letter, is that something that you find to be a therapeutic intervention in, in families that are that are navigating whichever form of estrangement or whatever door they're coming in? Yeah. In my research study, it was one of the most commonly reported interventions that worked. You know, but let me say first, there's really nothing that any therapist or professional can say that if you just do this, this will definitely work. You know, we can say, I can give you 10 things that definitely won't work. It will make your situation worse. But I, I can't promise any parent that any particular intervention is going to work. It's a very it's a very difficult problem to treat. There are many pathways to estrangement. Certainly one is where the parents made terrible mistakes. They were abusive. They were neglectful, et cetera. But that's not the only pathway. Another is alienation, as we just talked about, where one parent poisons the other. Uh, divorce in general is a big risk because the child may, even if there's not alienation, choose one parent over the other. It can bring in step other people to compete with that child, uh, that parent for emotional or material resources. It may cause the child to feel more like the parents are individuals rather than a family unit that they're a part of. So divorce is huge. Therapists do enormous damage in this space today. You know, therapists who think every problem has a trauma at its root, even if it doesn't, who recommend estrangement as some resolution or some big, bold move. And, you know, obviously there's a place for it. I'm not saying one should, there's no case for ever estranging a parent or family member, but it's being advised way too commonly. Similarly, uh, the way that social media plays into this, the way that it kind of forms these kind of extended kin, you know, where they give advice of, oh, you know, best thing you ever did, best thing I ever did, cut off my parent, don't need the drama, don't need the stress, you know, feel so much better now. And these people have no investment in the family. They're not, they don't have to live with the consequences of, you know, the heartbroken parents or grandparents who are being cut off from their grandchildren. So that's huge. Um, mental illness, certainly in the parent, but also in the adult child. So there's many pathways. Well, Lastly, that when a child marries, the adult child marries and the son-in-law or daughter-in-law alienates the, speaking of alienation, the parent from the adult child and says, choose them or me, you can't have both. That's also a very common pathway to estrangement. So, so any one of those may make it really hard for the parent, even with the best interventions to form a pathway towards reconciliation. That said, I think that amends letters are the best place to start because in the amends letter, you're trying to get on the same page as the adult child. So I always 
encourage parents to start off by saying, I know you wouldn't do this unless you felt like it was the healthiest thing for you to do. And in doing so, you're kind of saying, you know, I'm taking myself out of the way that I feel hurt or victimized or wounded or traumatized by the estrangement. And I'm just putting it in terms of what your motivation was. For the adult child, that is how they think about it. For the parent, they don't think about it. It's the healthiest thing for them to do. They think it's like the worst thing they could possibly do to them in the world. But in saying that, they're kind of trying to remove the defensiveness. Parents have to be able to remove the defensiveness of the adult child for them to feel like, for the adult child to feel like the parent understands them and is committed to a different path to change. Now, if they know what they've done wrong, it's really important to just speak to that very directly and not try to say things like, well, maybe I wasn't a perfect parent or, you know, I did the best that I could or, well, you know, it was really your mother who who brainwashed you against me or any of those things. They just don't work. They just make the, the child feel misunderstood and not cared about. So it really takes a kind of a, of a courage uh, to find the kernel, if not the bushel of truth. Now, Sometimes the parent doesn't know why the, the child has estranged themselves. Um, and in those cases, I think it's useful for the parent to start the letter in the same way, then to go on to say something like, it's clear that I have significant blind spots that I don't have a better understanding of why you need to do this, but I would like to learn, which you'd be open to telling me more about your thoughts, feelings, or memories. I promise to read it or listen purely from the perspective of listening and not any way to defend myself. Uh, or if you wanted to do therapy together, I would welcome that opportunity. Or if there are things you'd like me to work on in my own therapy, I would welcome that opportunity as well. So it's really just kind of a big outreach of compassion, responsibility taking, empathy. Um, so if anything's going to open the door, that will, and it often does. But again, you know, no one thing is certain to open the door. Yeah, and there's one thing significant that you, you said in the beginning is actually acknowledging their lived reality. Like, I might not align with their lived reality, but by right. acknowledging that they're living this life and they're having these feelings, it right. kind of like softens. Like, you no longer are trying to defend something, protect something, tell them what to think or not to think. And that feels like that. you said you start your letter with kind of like that, that opening, oh, yeah this is real, this is really what you experience, and I'm understanding that this is happening. You saw, I, I love that as the, as the starting line. And you, you mentioned something about some study that you did where letters, men's letters were like one of the top items that came up on that study. Could you just talk about that for one or two minutes? I, I, wasn't, I wasn't aware of a study. The research, that part um, I haven't published yet, but it was in the survey I did of 1,600 estranged parents. And one of the questions I asked them was, are you reconciled at this point? And if so, what do you attribute the reconciliation to uh, be? And the majority said it was a result of the a men's letter. Oh, wow. That, that's, that's awesome to hear. And in the process of, of writing an, a men's letter, even though the parents, grandparents, family members are writing the men's letter to young adults, adults, whatever age the children are now, like what is the internal healing process for the actual parent when, when, when they're writing? What, what does that look like as they go through this process of, of putting this stuff on paper? Yeah, it's a good question. Well, I think the paradox is that it actually helps parents to develop more self-compassion because, you know, that old saying, what stays in the dark grows in the dark. And the more that we have to insist to ourselves or to our children that we were perfect parents, the more fragile is our psyche, the more that we can just kind of go, yeah, I could see why that was really hurtful, or I could see how you could have felt neglected by that, or, you know, or wish that I had done that differently, or feel like I failed you in that, that way. Now, as somebody who's written those letters myself, they're not easy to write. 
incredibly humiliating and painful. And nobody wants to go back over the ways that they hurt their child or failed them or any of those things. You know, and like most divorce, it's not nearly as simple as one sort of has to make it. There's always other players and aspects that go into a, a, a divorce where, you know, where estrangement is the consequence. Um, but facing, you know, the aspects where I was responsible, it's not an easy thing to do. But, you know, in AA, they talk about the importance of making a, a fearless and searching moral inventory, which is kind of like where you just you ride out and face all the ways you have character flaws. I think this is an enormously therapeutic thing to do as pain as it is, because we're all flawed. We're highly flawed. We're also flawed as parents, but guess what? So are our kids. But the more that we can just kind of like, oh, yeah, I, this is a character flaw of mine. Like, for example, you know, all three of my kids, uh, they're all grown, but they're all but probably, you know, say that I was impatient in many ways when I was raising them. You know, now that I'm at the tender age of 69, I'm not nearly as impatient. But when I was raising them, I certainly was. And so, you know, I can't really say, no, I wasn't. You're imagining it or you're overly sensitive. So just being able to go, yeah, that's true. It's one of my character flaws. And not in a flippant way. you got to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And for me personally, in, in writing in a, in a men's letters to my daughters, like I thought the letter was really about them. And what the most significant part for me was this like cathartic journey of putting myself in their shoes as young adults as teenagers and really feeling and understanding and acknowledging what they were going through through their lens instead of my lens so i had this like moment of just heart opening and and just yeah. being able to relax at a different level because i finally understood a little bit more of what they were saying you know yeah it, it has the potential to make the relationship much closer if you can go there if the child will allow it i mean again i want to want to emphasize that in some ways i was just lucky that my child was willing to open the door and forgive me because there's a lot of parents who you know i mean i have skills i'm a psychologist i know how to communicate but uh, at least i figured it out over time i didn't right away despite years of training and therapy but you know my daughter was was willing to open the door but not everybody's kid is even if they communicate perfectly and the reason i highlight that is i don't want any parent to feel like, well, there must be something else I can do or should do. I must be doing it wrong. You know, he had a reconciliation. Therefore, you know, I'm, there must be some piece I'm missing. But, you know, there's not always it, it, it's it's really contingent on the adult child's ability, willingness to open the door because nothing compels adult children to have a relationship with a parent today beyond whether or not that adult child wants the relationship. That old, you know, the idea of families forever, honor thy mother and thy father, respect thy elders, that ship has sailed. It's been completely replaced as with, is this relationship in line with my happiness and mental health and personal growth or not? If it's not, then I don't need it. So that really just disempowers the parent and kind of over-empowers the adult child from my perspective. Yeah, no, no, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And for me, I sent out my amends letter and I got nothing back. You know what I mean? And and that was a whole process and a different way of letting go. And again, there was this acknowledgement of what her lived experience was. And I felt lighter and cleaner and it took up less space in my head. So there there is this this collateral stuff that's happening on a healing level with me. And I believe as we heal through this letter writing process, our kids are healing too, even if they're not responding. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And sometimes parents will say to me, well, I wrote the letter and they never responded to it. But three months later, they got back in contact. They don't want to talk about anything. 
Um, you know, or, or for the first time, they never addressed the fact that they'd gotten the letter. But, you know, three to six months later, I started getting pictures of the grandkids again. So even if you don't get a response, you it still may be landing. And I think to your point, um, I think it's really important psychologically to feel like you've done everything that you can do because we can go mad thinking about, well, there must be something else I can do. And it, it sort of relieves you from that from that burden. There's only a finite number of things you can do. There's not a ton of things you can do. Right. You can write a really good amends letter, do a follow up in six weeks. If it's appropriate, maybe reach out to your adult child with the occasional text or expression of goodwill to let them know you're not, you know, stewing on the other side. But there's not a ton of other things to do. And so psychologically, it can help to let go. And um, you mentioned something also when, when you were, were sharing your experience on that. You mentioned AA and the 12 steps. You know, and we have a 12-step door to support, you know, parents that are struggling with estrangement, alienation, erasure, whatever it is. And the 12 steps are an incredibly unique tool to help you kind of like integrate some of this work. And and what is your relationship to the 12 steps or do you have any? Not directly, but I've had family members who are addicts and alcoholics and professionally I've certainly been exposed to it. So I'm pretty well versed in them. And I'm a, I'm a huge believer. I think there's an enormous wisdom in, in the 12-step program. Yeah. And it's interesting because the 12 step program has a framework and you put together a way to write the men's letter that has a framework. And I think that's an incredibly important thing to say out loud to parents and grandparents. Like we need a roadmap because we're so dysregulated and disorientated and anxious and scared and don't don't want to make a mistake that that having a roadmap is incredibly, incredibly important. And Dr. Josh has a weekly webinar. And he also I watched your um, webinar on a, on a men's letter and it was wonderful and it was useful and it was digestible and it was relatable so if folks haven't had that opportunity yet we'll put a link in the show notes you'll be able to to check that out at a later date but it's well worth the information just some really incredible stuff in there thank you i appreciate that and just following up on the men's letter right like it's messy as a parent or grandparent writing this it brings up a lot of guilt shame remorse anything like that like what is your suggestion to someone that might be writing an amends letter to to kind of like resource themselves to take care of themselves for like for like self-care would there be anything you would suggest for that oh yeah there's lots of I, mean, I think the first distinguish between sort of what you tell yourself versus what you tell your child you know you can tell yourself in your head well you're a difficult child or your mother or your father poisoned you against me or you know or your spouse has made it impossible for me to have a relationship with you or basically won't allow any ability to heal the relationship. You can say all that to yourself or to your friend or your therapist or whomever, uh, but it's not what you say to your your child. You say to your child, it's just purely the expression of empathy and responsibility taking. So, so I think distinguishing between self-dialogue and what you tell your child is critically important. Um, but there's some of the things that I've sort of learned in doing this work, both personally and professionally. The first is the notion of, of radical acceptance. So when I was going through my estrangement, I hadn't heard the term but I was, you know, like so many parents who are going through it, miserable and thinking, what if I never see my child again? And and a voice kind of came inside my head to just basically said, well, guess what? You may never see your child again. So you're just going to have to get used to that. And it wasn't a particularly, it wasn't like a harsh, critical voice. It was just kind of like, guess what, dude? You might never see your child again. So you're going to have to develop some serenity around that. Um, and it was very liberating. I was giving a talk at a synagogue and the rabbi told a story which I really liked where a woman every day 
was she was infertile. So every day she would pray to God to have a baby and God would never answer it because um, she couldn't get pregnant. Finally, God answered and said, no, you're not going to have a baby. And as sad as it was, it was a relief because she could stop struggling. So there's a saying which I think comes from mindfulness, which is um, pain plus struggle equals suffering. The more that we struggle against our pain, the more suffering that we have. And that's sort of the idea of that story of the woman who was praying for for a baby or me who was praying for reconciliation. You can't white knuckle it through life. That's why you want to take a few concrete steps and put your all into them. But then you have to kind of let go and accept it and just allow the painful feelings to come and pass. Because otherwise, you you can be just made miserable by this process, as anybody's going through it well knows. Yeah, no, it's an incredibly challenging, tiring, all-consuming process, and and there are iterations of it. In in my experience, where it's the intensity just overwhelms you, and then you start sure. taking action steps and you get a little bit of salve on the wound and it changes. And yeah, it seems to change. It doesn't seem to go away, but it definitely changes and takes up a lot less space and some days no space at all. So yeah, I, I, I love what you're saying about do what you can, take the next indicated step and take care of yourself. And then maybe another indicated step comes up and then you take that one as well. Yeah. So um, in your in your letter writing experience and, and working with parents and, and grandparents, can you share a couple like victories of people that have shared maybe a story with you that might be really nice for the community to hear? Wow. 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 That was a, that was a powerful start to the conversation with Dr. Josh Coleman. There's, there's so much knowledge there and, and I really appreciate the humanization that he's gone through this experience too. He's, he's felt desperate and, and, and anxious and, and wanting to reconcile with his kids and also the humanity that we make mistakes and it doesn't matter who you are or where you are. You know what I mean? Whether you're a doctor or whether you, you're working at a clothing store or, or, or whether you're doing something in between like we're human we're going to make mistakes and we have this process that we can try reconcile through and it's really about showing up for ourselves again right it's really about our own inner emotional and spiritual journey so make sure to check the the show notes they're going to have all dr coleman's information how to learn more get into some of the seminars free newsletter and, and other service that he offers for free and there's also links in the show notes to Parental Alienation Anonymous, which is our free 12-step support group. It's a, it's a wonderful place, incredible, loving community. There's also a link for the Family Hope Project, which is an advocacy and educational art gallery. It's virtual. It's online. You, the individual that's struggling in any form of this, whether you're the child, an adult child, a parent, a grandparent, anyone else, you get to submit a piece of art with a title and a description anonymously. And we get to teach people about the different stages of this. And we want to share all the different perspectives. And there's also information on, on other stuff about PAA, the organization, and, and the different things that we're doing. And we're really so appreciative that you came out and listened to the show and that you're supporting the show. And please remember to like, subscribe, share this in any communities that it, that it feels appropriate. And we're asking you to do this because the more we do this, the more people that we can reach, the more we um, show up in results and, and, and some of these uh, social media mediums, like we can reach more people if we have more density with people sharing what we're doing. So thank you for coming out today. Thank you for listening to the first half of the show and the second half of the show. Walzer, there is some really phenomenal takeaways. Uh, right at the end of the episode, there were some really poignant questions about mistakes and, and what we've done and, and what not to do. So uh, see you next week. Have a beautiful week. Thanks for taking the time to join me on this episode of Family Disappeared Podcast. Do you know someone who can benefit from what we're discussing on today's episode? If so, 
Please share this podcast with them and anyone else in your community that might be interested in changing their lives. Together, we'll continue the exploring, growing, and healing journey. I will see you on our next episode. Until then, happy days to all.